On today's show, do the Cleveland Cavaliers take enough three-pointers? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. GameTime is my favorite way to save money on last-minute tickets. So download the GameTime app today. Use our promo code LOCKEDONNBA and get $20 off your first purchase. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerill. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. Today's show, we're going to start with a big Cavs topic. I think as we get more into a rhythm of a season here, Thursdays may be our big topic day. So if you have questions that you'd like us to discuss, drop them on YouTube, email us at lockdowncavs at gmail.com, tweet us, I guess, or X us, I guess, or whatever social media platform you're finding us you know, from, shoot us a message. We can talk think, about it. Think of it this way. Uh, it may be out of style for some of us, but at Locked on Cavs, hot topics still remain. <laughs> The one that we're going to do today is one I've seen a decent amount and the little bit I've used plat- the one certain platform and then also looking at, at Reddit. And that's, do the Cavs take enough threes? And this is a question that, Evan, I think to start the year, we saw a little bit of uptick in volume. But as of now, Cleveland is taking roughly the same number of threes that it did last year. It's down half a percent. That's twentieth or the 20th point rate in the league. On top of that, Darius Garland's frequency and, and attempts are down. Donovan Mitchell's frequency is down. They obviously have two bigs in the front court. And then you have guys like Dean Wade who aren't really high-volume shooters at this point. So, Evan, where we are right now, statistically, it's about 20 games in, even with adding Struess and Yang. Cleveland's three-point rate is basically the same, and it's still they're a little – they don't take a ton of threes. Do you think – that is a problem for them as we as we build this team out and see where it's going to go. So I don't think it's a problem in terms of sheer volume if they're making them at a higher percentage. You know, like you are obviously converting the opportunities, which means less chances are kind of being heaved up. I think you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Like the Cavs are finding a rhythm and flow on offense where they predicate things on a downhill attack and then they... Uh, allow role players or guys mostly Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland kind of take advantage of the additional spacing that's already out there with the new guys and also just the fact that defenses are shifting their focus. So it's not as concerning to me that they're attempting at the same volume if they're converting it more, which in some games they are. Like there's games where the Cavs hardly shoot threes, but they make like a pretty high clip of them. So like you're not too too concerned about it because they are taking and making the attempts that they're getting. But I also just think it's going to take some time. I still think about how a lot of the players from last year are still kind of saying like they're adjusting to the newfound spacing, um, and they had to kind of work with it last year where they didn't have much of two seven-footers. And also, you're just trying to get everyone healthy and kind of back in the flow of things. Like, I asked Bickerstaff about this pregame um, against the Hawks. Like, are you happy if things are adding? He's like, yeah, I am. Like, we're moving the ball a lot, at least. And I think that's, like, the first predication of it. But you just kind of have to see where it goes and watch the numbers go. But, like... Uh, that's my that's my counter question, I guess, is like, are the Cavs 
making more three-pointers, even though they're probably taking about the same volume as last year currently. They're not. They're actually okay. down from last year. So right now, 35.4% from three. That is their 36.9% last year. They're at 35.2% on our corner threes after being at 36.9% last year. Corner threes, 35.9%, 36.8% last year. So they're not making any more, and they're not taking more. I, Evan, I do think this is a problem. I think if you're building out this team, and you look at well, where the now that now they know that they're making less than last year. Yes, this is a problem. Percentage. But I, I I just even think beyond that though. It it's still a problem. This is a team that is 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 I think if you look at what they are, and you look at what is their potential limitations and things that don't work, I think it is ultimately an issue. They are 19th in half court offensive efficiency. They're 21st in offensive efficiency overall. They run the eighth most plays in the half court in the league as of right now. It's still it's a little bit less than last year, but the league's playing a little faster, so they're 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 running a ton of their percentage of their plays in the half court. I think they something with the offensive time still just feels like it's lacking just a little bit to me, and I think three point volume is what plays took. I think there are easy fixes. I think Garland taking more I think Mitchell ramping it up a little bit taking more but I I think they have to find ways I think to just get some more up at times I understand I don't think this is exactly a JB thing to love to do because it it kind of it's a little more volatile it's not I mean, it's a little he, more he, he says the league fetishizes the three-pointer so but but it's but this is that, like that, you, that and his rage against machines so but this is I, I just think you look at it and I think this is this is how you need to evolve in some way. And I understand they're playing two bigs, but I think they just need to find a way to take more. They're taking a ton of shots to the rim still. They're they're doing that at a really high clip, which is great. They've cut but that they've cut and they've cut out some of the mid range stuff, which is good, I would argue, even if you want some of that. But I think three point volume, not saying you need to get up to the highest, you're not you don't have the personnel to do, but I think just a little more freedom from Garland from Mitchell and, and maybe just getting one a game from Mobley, I think it would be a step in the right direction for this team to evolve. Like I think everything you said is right about the the pressure and the spacing and the passing. I think all of the stuff they will say as spin is there's some truth to it, but I think there's still more to do here. Oh, there's it's a work in progress. I don't think it was ever gonna be a Quick or immediate fix, but still, like, I think Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman as well saying, like, they do play a bit of an antiquated style of basketball to some voters, but they need to add a touch of modernity to it, whether that's through Max Struess, who uh, there are nights he's an absolute gangbuster from three-point range, and then there's other nights his shot isn't falling, and he's looking to move the rock a little bit more. And I think that's just a product of trying to figure out the flow and cohesiveness of this new offense and just kind of figuring out the new identities and personalities on this team and kind of building that comfort and familiarity with each other. And Bickerstaff actually talked about this after practice on Wednesday. He's just like, I'm, I'm starting to see more of these guys being comfortable with each other because after some bumpy stops to start the season, some ugly, like just flat losses and maybe times like they shouldn't have had to grind out a win. Like the Cavs are kind of digging deep and figuring out who they are. But like the terms of like identity for this team is still a work in progress, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like the, the end game vision is obviously more three pointers with uh, still like a pretty healthy dosage of rim pressure, especially from your bigs. But I agree with you. Like you, you hope Garland takes more. You hope Mitchell who likes to slash and attack the basket more than anything, like maybe 
floats out to the perimeter because he has the capability to hit threes at a pretty consistent clip for the Cavs. Like, that's a thing you want to. But, like, Evan Mobley, he took a three-pointer against the Hawks, and you're like, oh, uh, did, I was um, walking the concourse at that point um, to grab a bite, and uh, Tim Alcorn said Evan Mobley made a three. I'm like, oh, did he actually? And I checked the uh, stat tracker. I'm like, oh, he did. And it's, like, the second time this year. Like, you wanted to take more of that, and I think seeing him take, like, those baseline jumpers and trying to, like, make that, like, a part of his repertoire and then as he continues to maybe expand it out a little bit is encouraging and that's what you want and then hopefully he becomes a much more consistent three-point shooter where there is like that boshian aspect to him where there's like pick and pop opportunities for the Cavs. i just i just think even with some of that and some of what they're saying there's still just there's still just something I think here that needs just a little bit of adjustment. I don't think it's the the end all be all necessarily, but I think just a uptick in volume there is needed. Like you can be a team like Phoenix where you have KD and Booker and and like you can you have those two guys who are just absolutely apex predators in the half court and you can survive some of that. You can be some of these other teams and get away with it because you have a certain amount of half-court efficiency and the spacing is still good. Cleveland just doesn't have that. And I think the way to fix some of this is just letting them fly. And I think I think if I think about guys in the rotation, I think Dean Wade, when if and when he comes back and is if he plays, just has to let them go. I think Okoro has to let them go when he gets them. I think Mobley, when he gets them, like he did when he made the uh, one at the top of the key, if he gets yeah. them, he just has to shoot them. Has You're talking about bench guys. Like George Niang, I, I would like to see a lot less of him at the ball or trying to drive at the basket and try to draw contact or get like a layup or something like that. But like, just take advantage of the spacing and being the screener in like a pick and pop and just using your God given ability to flare out on the perimeter because he's another guy like he and Dean Wade kind of are part and parcel with one another. Whereas like if let's say Wade shot isn't falling, you hope Niang can give it to you and vice versa. And Wade will see, cause like you said, he's not like a volume shooter necessarily. And I, I it's still like, a little unclear on what like his overall like vision and role is within the offense as just a role player. But like Niang is in that same boat too. Like he he is a 40% three-point shooter from last season. Let him make him lean on that strength in his offensive game to add a little bit more juice because like, yeah, the Cavs added more volume last season just by adding Donovan Mitchell. They added obviously didn't add more right now just by adding Max Strews to the fold. So you kind of kind of have to squeeze the strengths of some of these guys to unlock things for you more offensively but even Niang I would just want on this he's at 58% of his shots are from three at last year 76% yeah like that, that's 67 dog that's let that's me, still a gap yeah th- let me let me just run through the numbers 58% this year 76% last year 67 the year before 73% the year before 69% the year before 50, his low his last time he was close to this was eighteen nineteen in Utah, his first season where he played a decent amount of games. That was at 56% of his shots from three. There is something here with what the Cavs are doing that is, I, I has to be coaching, it has to be strategy at some point. I think altering that is an easy thing to do. All right, coming up after this, Cleveland not being in the tournament, they got two games added to the schedule, Orlando and Miami. We're going to talk about them up next. Today's episode is brought to you by today's title sponsor, and that is Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about the the worst case scenario, getting gouges on price or anything like that when you're buying tickets to your next big event. 
So use GameTime. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, view from your seat, and their best price guarantee. GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love the last-minute deals you can get in there. I've used them a bunch, particularly when I went to New York and I wanted to get the best deal possible on Aces Liberty tickets. I use GameTime to do it. Plus, GameTime has a guarantee, the GameTime guarantee, that means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. That's terms apply. So create an account, redeem our code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute deals, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, schedule update. Cleveland will play the Orlando Magic at home next week, and then they play at the Miami Heat after that. This is an interesting stretch where they will also they will play the Magic uh, soon after that in Orlando as well. But Evan, what, what, of these two games, which one caught your eye a little bit more? I mean, getting to play Miami so close to after the Heat punked you on Thanksgiving Day is certainly going to be intrigue. Maybe this is the first time the Cavs face Kevin Love this season just because there's going to be a little bit of that emotional attachment to that matchup. But if people regularly listen to the show, I'm intrigued by young players and also how teams are building. And the Magic fascinate me because they have the potential to be a very, very good team. Like the, 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 like, a first round basement, second round exit as their ceiling in the playoffs. Like that's how high I am on them. And stylistically speaking, like they're a team that can throw a lot of length and athleticism at the Cavs and kind of hit some pressure points that could make Cleveland a little uncomfortable. Like they did face each other in the preseason. I believe this is the first time to play in the regular season this year. So I guess good on the NBA for bumping this game up a little bit, but that'll be an interesting matchup at home. And then like having to go on the road against Miami, like after that, like the, the South Beach nightlife certainly is a factor in this. Like, how do the Cavs kind of handle this and maybe maybe swallow the bitter pill that is not qualifying for the NBA Cup? I think of the, these games, the Orlando one is the one I'm going to be really fascinated by just because I'm a little bit obsessed with the magic and what, what they are. Dude, they're so fascinating. Team. Like, they're... The- they they have a lot of draft crushes on their team for me to begin with. Like I know people well, who, debate who are, suck. Who who are your who are your draft crushes? Well, it starts with Wendell Carter Jr. Love him. Um, and then there out is with inju- out with injury right now. I, unfortunately, but still, I'm just saying in general. Uh, Jalen Suggs, I liked. I didn't like his fit with the Cavs when it came draft time, and I think Mobley was the guy. But like, he's a dude that interested me. Um, I think Markel Fultz is fun. I, I wonder if he ends up being a trade ship for the Magic to maybe go get like a guy like Zach Levine or something because I don't think the Magic are going to pay Fultz what he wants. Um, Bancaro, of course, uh, whack both the Wagner twins, especially um, Franz. But like they just have a lot of interesting dudes on their team. And like, again, a lot of length, athleticism and just youth that they can throw at the Cavs just to maybe make them a little uncomfy at home. They what about are... You? Well, so defensively for me, that's where I start with this team because Cleveland's offense is, is the point of struggle with this team, and this Orlando defense is awesome. Even with no Wendell Carter Jr., Goga Batate and, and Mo Wagner have stepped in very nicely, but that whole defensive team is just, they're, they're nuts. They're fourth in defensive rating right now 
only teams better than them are Minnesota, Houston, Boston, and Boston. They're up there at that defense. It feels very real. It feels elite. They're six in that rating. This is just a good team. This is just a real playoff contender. Yeah. And on top of that, Mobley versus Paolo as a Mobley defending him, Paolo attacking him is a really interesting battle. Mo- Paolo has the frame to push Mobley strength-wise at times, but Orlando's guard play is such a cluster and really lacking the juice to kind of feed connect connected to those guys that he has to create a lot for himself so you're getting a guy who's really skilled really strong but he's attacking you in in very suboptimal circumstances in a lot of ways so this game to me evan is okay how does a how does cleveland's offense look against a really good defense and then how does how do they defend a guy like Paolo with mobley and overall as a team i think that that's a winnable game and we just saw them beat philly we've seen them beat good teams but it's a it's a good test against a team that isn't is a is a version of them to some degree. And the Miami one, obviously, it's like you're going to be in Miami, and you you know maybe like to redeem yourself after the the lackluster one you you, you just had against them recently. Lackluster is an understatement. They got embarrassed by the Heat. Like to be frank, like I think maybe having Isaac Okoro would have made a pretty big difference in like defending against uh, Kyle Lowry going absolutely biz- bonkers from three point range, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that matchup goes. But I, I agree with you. Like the Palo Mobley thing is gonna be really interesting because um Palo's like an interesting case, and I think Mobley is too of like the quote unquote like big players that are playing in like a positionless league where like Palo does have the feel of like playmake, but he is like the, the guard play situation is kind of understated. Like that's a good point on your part, like that the, the magic are kind of struggling from that spot right now, especially with Fultz out right now, but like Cole Anthony's playing well for the Cavs. I think Suggs has stepped up nicely. Like Gary Harris is there. Like Anthony Black, the guy they picked in the top 10 of the draft last year, like is in the rotation currently, but like when this team is healthy, probably isn't fully in the rotation. But there's just a lot of interesting players. Like the Bancaro Mobley one's going to be fun. I think um, how do the do the magic maybe find the way to draw Jared Allen out of the paint to kind of get easier looks at them at the uh, basket? Like I know Goga's not a three point shooter, but like they can force mismatches and kind of like make um, Allen defend in space at times, especially with, even without Wendell Carter Jr. out there, like Mo Wagner can hit threes if you ask him to. Um, but like, the, I don't know, the Magic are just an interesting team where like they build really slowly. They have a uh, very just kind of, like, at least when healthy, very complete roster, uh, one through nine to possibly ten um, on a nightly basis. And they even have Jingles out there. Like Joe Ingles is just a fun dude to be around. And um I think like he's a fun veteran for them to have. I think the Anthony Black I think will catch I I like him a, a lot. I, he, I you know me. I like bigger point guards. He scratches an itch for me and it'll take time. Um I think after maybe they move on from Fultz, he'll get a clearer pathway to get minutes, but yeah, I mean it's, he's but he's but even with Fultz, like even before the injury he was playing and he was getting chances to close like that they're giving him a chance oh, to yeah. play. And like that team, when you watch them, like over on the the Just Basketball show I do with Brennan Clean, we have a segment called Waving the Flag, and the two teams we picked at the beginning of the season to watch and then talk a bunch about it, it's Orlando and it's the and it's the Kings, and we feel we got really lucky that it worked out. <laughs> like it, we feel very vindicated, particularly with Orlando, even with some of the guard stuff. They've beaten Boston. Like they, they Boston had to run up the score to Say, beat them in group not, play. Not only like, this beat team Boston, legit. like they they beat Boston by quite a bit, and like. Had to run. Yeah. The Celtics had to run up the score to close the gap on their behalf. 
that this is a good team. This is a, these are two good tests for Cleveland in the stretch. Miami, we know what they are. Magic are up. They're scrappy. They're hungry. They they have a really good defense. This is a good, those are if you're looking for two interesting games to add to Cleveland's schedule, if they're not going to be in the tournament, these are two good tests for for uh for the Cavs as they adjust a little bit. And all right, after this next break, going to come back. Cavs have two easy games coming up: the Trailblazers and the Pistons. What can they? accomplish what can they look to do in those two games to keep building on what is working right now we'll talk about that up next today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel the official sports book of Locked On and an official partner of the NFL right now they have a great deal for new customers they get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So again, that's 150 bucks in bonus bets if your team wins. So you can bet NFL, NBA, anything. Um, I'm going to check right now and see if we have a Cavs Blazers line, but they have a ton of great different options if you're interested. They have spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So check, check out FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com backslash Locked on to getting in on the action and enjoy yourself a little bit. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and official sportsbook of Locked On. All right, Evan, these next two games, what are you looking for for, for Cleveland here? Well, there's a lot of good momentum, especially after that Hawks game where they were down 10, 12, 14 points. At some point, they roared back and really dominated Atlanta. Like, can they keep that momentum and success going, especially at home? But this is just an instance or, I guess, an opportunity for, one, the Cavs to take care of business against two bad teams, as you noted, heading into the segment, the Blazers and the Pistons. And can they maybe find small opportunities to rest some of their guys that, sure, they're feeling better. Like Isaac Okoro said his knee feels fine. I think Donovan Mitchell's streak is doing better, especially how he performed against the Hawks. Um, but just like guys all have random aches and pains. Like, can you afford opportunities against these bad squads to maybe play the guys that don't get a ton of minutes? I like Amani Bates and Isaiah Mobley are out against uh, Portland on Thursday, but maybe they play on Saturday in Detroit. But like, can you afford opportunities to rest some dudes just because like you do have two bigger ish games next week against um, Orlando and Miami? But like, yeah, just kind of do some minute managing and also just like, don't give these teams opportunities to maybe play around with you. Just put them away early and keep them away for the whole game. I, I think you're looking to just build on some of the, the positives you've had, right? So you're getting, you get Portland who's bad and you just beat the Pistons who are, who are bad and you speed, and that game is away, but you should expect to win. And then you get Orlando, then you get Miami. So the, and then you get Orlando again. So it's a, it's the, these, these are two games that I think you need to press to win in a lot of ways because you do have a tougher stretch coming up. Even if you go beyond the next five, after that you get Boston twice in Boston on the 12th and the 14th. You get the Hawks at home again on the 16th. Houston, who's tough at home on the 18th. Can't wait. Dylan, oh, the Dylan Brooks, Donovan Mitchell of it all. That's going to be fun. Then you get the Jazz, who aren't good, but okay. And then you get the Pelicans later this month. So like You have a run of games here with a lot of quality opponents. I think just taking care of business is... Option number one, even if, even if like, okay, maybe you'd like to shave five minutes off of Mitchell's night or, or something like that. I think you just need to press for the win more than anything else. And on top of that, I think just working through some of the offensive stuff you talked about, that has to be, the defense to me is, is getting to a really good place. 
I think that the defensive performance they had against the Hawks was great. I think there's the offense is where you you need to go. And just a quick note on on Cavs Blazers from our friends at FanDuel. Cavs are eleven and a half point favorites. They are minus six fifty. Uh, and, and as far as the money line goes, Portland is plus four eighty on the money line. So the Cavs are pretty significant favorites in this game. Based on the last time we saw these teams play, that's true. This is just a game you should take care of business, work through some stuff, maybe maybe try some stuff here or there. But I think these next few games are Evan momentum builders. I think you you just beat Atlanta, take care of business here, win the two games you're supposed to, and and move on to the, the bigger challenges ahead. Yeah, I I agree. Like, just take care of business. And like you said, maybe try some new things, whether it's only shooting more threes or just attempting them and maybe a little bit more of a regular clip over the next two games after him making one against Atlanta. Um, You maybe see Donovan Mitchell uh, just continue to kind of find his groove scoring-wise and kind of work alongside Darius Garland, who has been playing out of his gourd, even like with, with or without Mitchell on the floor. So there's building block opportunities to kind of keep building momentum and success and which is unfortunate because the Cavs could have used this earlier in the season when they were healthy but they they didn't have that luxury so now they are using these opportunities in front of them to kind of figure out who and what they are as a team and what they need to address what they maybe need to eliminate from their just playbook altogether and just keep moving forward from there Injury report, as you mentioned, Amani Bates out to a Ty Jerome still out with his ankle sprain. Ricky Rubis still out with the team. Isaiah Mobley, who it's not, you know, not factoring in even as much as Bates, much less Kirk Porter Jr. out on a two-way. And then Dean Wade is still listed as out with the right ankle sprain. But that means Okoro not listed, no designations for Mitchell, no designations for Garland. Like you are healthy as you've been otherwise. That ends up as positive for Portland. A two-way guy, they have two guys on assignment, G League, that could or could not be there, according to the injury report. Isaiah Wainwright, Ish Wainwright, excuse me, is out. Anthony Simon still out, and Robert Williams, the third, out. So you're getting Aiton, you're getting Scoot in the goggles, but a pretty poor team. Um, Evan, if the Cavs are, if which, which, which game would you say are you more offers more to learn if you were to just pick one um which of these games theoretically offers more to learn i'll give you some numbers and let you think about that for a second just to tell you how bad these teams are portland 26th in net rating minus 8.3 point of possessions dead last in offense 16th in defense then you go to the detroit pistons who are 2 and 15 on the season Somehow with a worse net rating than the Washington Wizards at minus 9.6, 28th in offense, 27th in offense, excuse me, 27th in defense. What's your answer? I have, I, 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 I guess I, Portland because they're like slightly better than um, Detroit, I guess. I think it's Portland just because they're going to throw you more defensive looks, and every quote that I hear from them is not an absolute like call for help. It's also um, Detroit. You're not. You're not, a lot you're of not hearing. You're not, energy. Oh yeah, God yeah. But they're also not. Yeah, you're not getting like reports of. Um, we had six guys jump on a live ball during practice. Like that's a sign of progress. Like I'm like that is that is grim. If that is like 
bar for success like that that's i'm just waiting for the the pistons to say that they paint black stripes on the base or the basketballs during practice and they wear different colored pennies to do different types of sets and stuff and it's polar bears and all that crap but i know monty's actually coach um was good in phoenix but not so great uh in detroit or any other stuff just giving me just some real real bad vibes out of Detroit right now. But that's going to be it for today's Lockdown Cavs. Evan and I will be back after Cavs. Blazers, please tune in. Then thanks again to Jake Stevens as always. Enjoy your Thursdays, people. Talk to you after tonight's act.